Good morning. I'm tempted to say Happy New Year, but it's too late. But it's good to be here this morning. I can do this myself, Rex. I can do my own dishes, too. <laughs> Ask Connie. Ask Connie. Great to be here. Uh, uh, Rex mentioned um, Connie's here as well, but she that I'll do the speaking. Um, trust me, she does her share of the speaking at home. And um, we wouldn't be going on this endeavor if... Uh, if I didn't have her full support. In fact, she's the one that said, you get over there and I'll go with you. So, um, and why don't you stand, honey? Um, we've been married. Just stand there. Thank you, honey. Can you say honey in church? I just did. Anyway. Um, we, we've been married for uh, 34 years. And uh, we get along really well. But we did have this fight here a week or so ago. Um, just one of those moments. And in a weak moment, I said, well, honey, why did the Lord make you so beautiful and yet so stupid? But she was quick in her response. She says, well, the Lord made me beautiful in your eyes so that you would be attracted to me. And he made me stupid, so I'd be attracted to you. (laughs) (laughs) To be a good missionary, you need a good sense of humor and a bad sense of smell. And... uh, but um, anyway, I am the FSC for the CIS reporting to the ERO. Uh, I'm employed by NMI and a member of NEI. And if you're confused, then I've done a good job because missionaries are supposed to be confusing and boring. Somebody say amen. But um, two things our church is well known for, carry-in dinners and acronyms. You know, we love both of them. Are we having a carry-in? We're not doing the carry-in today. But we do have some acronyms, and I want to address a few of those this morning. But another thing that our church, the Church of Nazarene, is known for is missions. We're still one of the top five or six sending organizations in the world today. We believe in going to the nations and making disciples. Has anyone read the manual recently? Read it this week by chance. Bad group, Rex. <laughs> Pastor Rex. Um, well, if you had picked it up and read it you'd, and, and you just read the first few pages, you come to a conclusion very quickly that we've been about missions since our very beginning. Since our very beginning. We've been going and we've been sending. And that supports what uh, Oswald Smith, he's the guy that said, the world is my parish. Um, he also said, the mission of the church is missions. The mission of the church is missions. And by the way, our church has a mission statement. Does anyone know what it is? You get points for this. And then my directors out there are going to give you points. To make Christ-like disciples in the nations. Our church divides um, our world, at least from a, a, a missionary perspective, we divide our world in, into six regions. And Connie and I are now serve on the Eurasia region, uh, which, is in, which is Europe and Central Asia combined. And our ERO, our Eurasia Regional Office, is located in Busingen, Switzerland. Um, we'll not be living there. We'll be living in Ukraine, in the city of Kiev, the, cent- the, the capital of Ukraine. Uh, Kiev. And uh, three months ago, about 650 of us from our, a- our area, from the Eurasia region, assembled for our Eurasia Regional Conference, uh, which was held this year um, in Antalya, Turkey. And this conference is kind of like General Assembly for some of us. Most of our brothers and sisters on the other side of the ocean don't have a chance to come to a General Assembly. And so this is kind of like a mini General Assembly for our brothers and sisters there. And we, uh, this, this year they picked Antalya, Turkey, which was kind of interesting because Turkey 
is not that excited about Christianity. In fact, we had to have people stand at our doors. I said, why are they doing it? Well, they said, we've got to be careful what we do in there. Really? Turkey happens to be uh, the most unreached people group in the world today. Um, 79 million people and just an estimated 2,500 believers. And uh, one of our speakers, General Superintendent Jerry Porter, challenged us to think about our mission statement. And he, he did that by asking us two simple questions. Here they are. Who are you discipling and who is discipling you? Part of that process includes making disciples in all the nations, going to the world, going to the nations and making disciples. And we call that missions, carrying out that familiar passage in Matthew. And I'd like for us to look at that this morning together and, in fact, read it together. I know the font's a little fuzzy. The young people are here to support us, elderly or older folks. So, young people, we're going to trust you and rely on you to help us read this morning in unison. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Who are you discipling, and who is discipling you? As many of you know, our family served on the mission field until 2001. Uh, But family health issues, education issues, and safety issues kind of pulled us out of our work and brought us home. We thought we'd come home, we'd get things patched up and return, but that's not what happened. After being home just a few months, a tragic accident resulted in our 15-year-old daughter Sarah's death. And it became clear to us at that time we needed to stay home. Our three boys became our first mission field. You might say the disciples that we were responsible for. They're pretty much raised now. I think I have a picture. Um, they're, uh, you see the facial hair and stuff. That's a good sign that they're getting, getting up there. Our middle son, Silas, is here. Silas, wait, stay, and Shelby, please stand. Middle son and daughter-in-law, Shelby. <laughs> Shelby Lynn. And, in fact, Silas is, is growing up to look. Did you notice that? He's growing up to look like Samson. <laughs> don't let him cut that thing. thought I'd never say that. Don't let him cut. <laughs> but praise the Lord, they have become his disciples along with their wives. And they're serving the Lord in some unique ways. Uh, And this past June, Connie and I took the responsibility of FSC, Field Strategy Coordinator of the CIS, which is the Commonwealth of Independent States. Uh, The CIS is made up of 12 former republics or countries that were part of the former Soviet Union or the Soviet Union before it collapsed in the early 90s. And Pastor Chuck and Carlos Sundberg were part of those early days in that part of the world. Currently, the Church of the Nazarene uh, works in six of those countries. There's 12. We work in six. Um, that in, our ministries include 47, 46 or 7 churches, 5 districts, 6 compassionate ministry centers, um, 6 drug and alcohol rehab centers, um, children's ministries, and a feeding program, and then also an, extent, an extensive extension education program. That really has set the, uh, the bar high for some of the other areas of the world. All ministries aimed at carrying out the mission to make new and stronger disciples. And to answer the question, who are you discipling and who is discipling you? In the Matthew passage that we read together, there are three um, commands, or you might call them directives, that are sandwiched around this idea of making disciples. 
That's what we're called to do in that passage, to make disciples. So let's look at the commands. First, Jesus said, go. Or he said, as you go. Uh, Go, in the parallel passage of Mark says, go, or as you go, preach the gospel. So we go to share God's word. Secondly, Jesus said, go to baptize, or go to be a public witness of God's word. And And then thirdly, we go to teach, to teach God's word. Our work to make disciples does not have to be complicated. Uh, We don't need elaborate uh, programs or fancy buildings to do so. In fact, in our area of the world, we don't have those things. Uh, Dr. Porter put it this way. Programs don't make disciples. Disciples make disciples. That's not Dr. Porter. Um, That that funny-looking fellow is missionary Trino Jada. Um, he is our CIS Compassionate Ministry Director, and he's also the District Superintendent of Ukrainian District. And there's 25, 26 churches in Ukraine. And he is a product of mission outreach. When he was a child, he lived on the streets of Costa Rica. And it was a missionary that took him in, a missionary family took him in and embraced him and got him education and fed him and clothed him. And now he spends all of his resources and efforts Making disciples. What a disciple he's become. And Connie and I have the blessing of working with Trino, who's never short on words. Here's a picture of our faith, Church of the Nazarene, located in uh, Astana, um, Kazakhstan. If you want to see an incredible wonder, you've got to visit there. Don't go in the winter. It's very cold. I was there about a month ago. It was around zero, but they said this is kind of warm, and I believe it is kind of warm. It gets below zero pretty often. But that's our church in Astana, Kazakhstan. And it's a garage and two rooms. And uh, currently there's only one room that's finished. So they have their worship services. And then they kind of push the adults out and they have Sunday school. I think we got a picture there of the kids having Sunday school. What are they doing with their few resources? They are sharing God's word. They are showing God's word. And they are teaching God's word and consciously working to make disciples. I do want to mention that Kazakhstan has been in the religious news pretty often these days. They, they pass new laws that are making it more and more difficult for the church to survive. And this particular church and a number of our churches in Kazakhstan are really in a struggle for their lives. The new law basically says if you don't have 50 adults, not teens or children, but 50 adults who are willing to sign on the dotted line that, hey, we're a member of this church, then you can't be a church. And with the Soviet thinking and the concerns for that, it's hard to find anybody wanting to sign on the dotted line. And so we're gravely concerned for the vast majority of our churches. And I think about in Fort Wayne today, how many churches would survive if we ask 50 adults to sign, yes, this is my church. I'm a member of this church here even in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Would Grace Point South Church make it, for example? Faith Church has about 20 or so adults, and that many are more kids. And... uh, we're, we're, we're wondering just how long, under the present laws, this church is going to be able to continue to meet. They'll continue to be a church, one way or the other, but will they be able to meet in that facility? And so it's a prayer request and concern that we have um, in our area, area of the world. Things are changing. Um, we are not going. Everybody says, when are you going back to Russia? And it's always been fun to say, we're not going back. Oh, you're not going back? No, we're going back to the Ukraine because you can't live in Russia. Missionaries really can't live without a lot of hassles in Russia these days. Things are changing. And so we've landed in Kiev. We have an apartment there. 
Um, and at the present time, we're okay. However, there's, it's in the wind. That's, things are changing there as well. So we don't know where we'll end up. We might go to Armenia. It's kind of nice down there. I looked today. I think it's 40 degrees down there. Not bad compared to minus 2. But uh, anyway, that's, that's how it is. When we first arrived in Russia, it was 1993, and after we got settled in, just within a few months, we began to share God's Word. Hey, we go to make disciples. Part of that is sharing God's Word. And I was expecting that, besides sharing God's Word, we'd also have to get involved with apologetics. I thought everybody was an atheist, an agnostic, and they were there you know, to cut our heads off or something. I don't know. But that's not what we found. We found a believing group of people who had never had a chance to read God's Word who never understood or had a chance to, to come to know the gospel message. And we got into the gospel of John, and, and in the first chapter, verse 12, we read that, Yet to all who received him, those who believe in his name, he, he, he gave the right to become children of God. Those who received him and who believed. John makes this distinction between, it's, between believing and receiving. It's one thing to believe, there's also something to receive. And we made that, when we made that distinction, it was like the lights came on, and there was an incredible response. I think I mentioned Yuri, uh, Yuri Anani before, but Yuri and, and, and Natasha were at that very first Bible study. Friends, friends had uh, invited them, and it's a good, t- good thing they came. They were in trouble. Financially speaking, family-wise, um, they were going to get a divorce. Um, in fact, they were going to divorce, and Natasha was going to join the Hare Krishna, one of the active um, cult groups at that time. But they came... They heard, they believed, and they received, and everything changed. God put their family back together, their finances back together, their health. They had major health problems in this family. All that got taken care of by God's grace. And for the last 10 or 12 years, they have served the Lord faithfully as pastor and pastor's wife of Volgograd, First Church of the Nazarene. You know, when Jesus said go, he meant go. Um, it wasn't a suggestion or an idea, and it's left to us to figure out what that means for us in our community to go and make disciples and to answer that question, who am I discipling and who's discipling me? Jesus also said go to baptize. And he, was, he wasn't so concerned about dunking people underwater in this, in this passage. He was talking more about expressing and displaying faith, calling people to public worship, We are called to assemble for public worship and identifying with him through baptism. One of the countries that we work in uh, is considered a creative access country. I'm not talking about Kazakhstan. I'm talking about another country. And we don't mention its name um, out out of respect for that country and some of the ramifications that could come to believers there. We refer to it as creative access country number two. And it basically means the vast majority of the population, including the government, opposes Christianity. In this particular country, despite major pressure on Christians and the church, the church is growing and making disciples. In fact, some of our greatest growth is in creative access country number two. At the conference, um, our main leader in this particular country uh, was ordained. That was very exciting. Uh, to see them ordained. And we sat down and we discussed what their plan was. And they have an elaborate plan. They, they sense an urgency. They sense they need to go. They need to go beyond their own city borders into the counties and into other towns. And they're doing that in, in some incredible ways. And I said, man, this is great. They didn't ask me for anything. So I find, so, well, what, what would help you? Let's think outside the box. How can we help you? And they, 130, I think it was actually $135 to be exact. 
And with if we had $135 a month transportation costs, that's what they were trying to cover, we could go in even a greater way. And so we figured that out. In fact, believe it or not, um, somebody from Grace Point has actually helped us to make, make that happen. The youth leader was also there. Incredible guy. He came up to me, and it's almost like I could hear onward Christian soldiers in the background. I should have heard that because he came up to me and he says, it's kind of like he was reporting for duty, and, and he was a passionate guy. He looked in my eyes and says, I want you to know that our youth are strong in their faith. We are grounded and we are ready to stand against our enemy. I felt like, great, go and make disciples. But without a decent building, we have a building, but it's not decent. Without a building, without overhead projectors, without, with very little in the way of resources, you know, this is an extremely poor area, they move forward to share the good news and to show the good news in an effort to make disciples. Just a few weeks ago, elections were held in this particular country, and the newly elected president's platform promised even more stringent laws against the Christian church as they moved to an Islamic state. Our brothers and sisters in Creative Access Country Number 2 are putting it all out there. And uh, they even asked me in the meeting, they says, now, if the government would come in and take our building, remember I said it's not that all that great, but it's good, great to them. But they said if the government would come in and take our building, what will the church's response be? Uh, I said, well, I read the manual, and there's nothing in there about that. We'll, we'll have to pray, and, you know, we're just going to have to take it one step at a time. I thought about that, and I thought about this saying, uh, I don't know who said it, but someone said, live your life in such a manner that it makes no sense apart from the existence of God. And you have to think that's what Jesus had in mind when he called us to go and make disciples. He didn't say it was going to be easy. It doesn't have to be complicated. I think sometimes we complicate it. It doesn't have to be complicated, but it doesn't mean it's easy or popular or in accordance with man's law. Our brothers and sisters in Creative Access Country Number 2 understand that cost. They have embraced the Great Commission, and they have made it their own. And they can answer that question, who are we discipling, and who is discipling me? Well, we go to share God's Word, we go to show God's Word, and we also go to teach God's Word. The teaching part is really critical. Jesus said, go and teach them everything I have taught you. That everything (laughs) embraces a whole bunch of stuff. A whole bunch of stuff. And it's interesting that secular science tells us that we have been wired to be lifetime learners. When we stop learning, we stop living. And we see that in our society so many times. And this idea of being a disciple, a learning, and also being a discipler, teaching, it's in our DNA. It's who God has created us to be. It's critical to making disciples. In the CIS, uh, we have 120 students in our uh, education by extension roles, on our roles. And down through the years, the teaching has produced some incredible disciples who have become great leaders and disciple makers themselves. And one of them, we, we hear from Pastor Chuck and Carla from time to time, Manchester. Well, one of them is now the one of, one of those um, Early believers that met the Lord early in our days in Volgograd, skeptical first, uh, went on to get um, her education at um, our Bible college in, uh, in Busigan, and then has gone on to Manchester, and now she is the chaplain of Manchester, what would it be, college or university? College. 
She's the chaplain. Sharp lady, Svetlana Kovnia. But Alosha was saved on a trolley bus. Um, that's him on the right. Well, it's him in both pictures, I guess, and his, and his wife, Olga. He got saved on a trolley bus. Um, he came to one of our education courses. Uh, the subject was Doctrine of Holiness. Dr. Larry Kramer was there from the Bible College, and, and he was very intellectual. He was asking me questions that I continued to say, I don't know the answer to that. Sometimes I want to say, bug off, man. That's not important, but I didn't. <laughs> we embraced him. Come on. And we said, hey, Doctrine of Holiness, this might be really exciting for him. He came, and in the Doctrine of Holiness class, the dots got connected. And on his way home, he said, yeah, that's what I believe, and he trusted Jesus to save him. And the next morning, <clears throat> we didn't know this. I look outside. It's early. I don't know, 8 o'clock or something. Class doesn't start till 10. Here comes Lotion Olga bouncing down the street. I thought, oh, brother, why are they coming so early? They wanted us to be the first to know uh, about, um, about this decision that, that uh, Alosha had made. Olga had already made it. And today, they are our translators. If, if there's a theology book or a, a uh, training book that we have to translate, it goes through their hands. So besides being our translators, they're also pretty sharp theologians. And uh, Olga is, pre, is finishing her Ph.D. as we speak. Within the next few months, we'll be done with her Ph.D. Or next year, I guess. Yuri... Um, came to know about our church through Bible correspondence courses. Yuri's up there on the upper right. Um, he was a believer, but he didn't know really what to believe, where to go, and so he heard that about us, and he, he uh, inquired about what we, what we uh, believed, and we wrote some correspondence courses, Bible correspondence lessons for him. Actually, we were in the process of doing this uh, for, for, the, for other needs, and we began to send them to Yuri out in this, this remote village, actually about five hours from, uh, from Volgograd. He would fill out those lessons, send them back to us, and before we knew it, we had a relationship with Yuri and his family. And the Lord called Yuri. What a great guy. I mean, if you saw how these folks lived, you saw how they lived. Uh, heating system, uh, maybe if they have enough wood. Um, a roof that doesn't leak, well, maybe next spring we can fix it. Hardwood floors, uh, I'm talking if you could see. I would live in our chicken coop before I lived in that house where they were living. And on top of that, they have a ministry to about 40 foster children whose moms and dads, for the most part, are alcoholics or moms and dads who can't take care of them. They've embraced that group of kids. And they have a church there, Nizhny Ganutov. Incredible group of people. I'm blessed and touched to call Yuri my friend. He's my example. He's my mentor. And uh, no question about what he's about. He's about the discipleship-making process, planting those seeds in those incredible young people's lives and having an impact in the village of Nizhny Ganutov. How important it is that we go to teach. And that's another guy that never asked me for anything. You always want to empty your pockets, you know. And we bought him a cow. I think maybe we bought him two cows. I don't know. But now the, so they can have their own milk. And it's just been an incredible uh, relationship that we've had with those folks. And, and I wish we could do more for them. They're very happy. In fact, they think they've got a lot. We even got him a little motor scooter, a little moped thing, you know, so that he could uh, go and pick up groceries. Uh, I don't know how he gets them over the, the roads in that little village. But we've helped them as much as we can with the resources that we have. And they're, they're very blessed. And lives are being changed. Lives are being changed as they work to make disciples. How important it is that we go to teach. 
Our lives in Christ begins with the teaching, and it continues with the teaching. We can't come to church for 55 minutes on Sunday morning and get all we need. That's why, our, that's why the Church of Nazarene has invested in Sunday school. And praise the Lord, you know, we've got about 80% of our congregation coming for that hour of power, getting into God's Word. Edgar referred to the passage. I'd like for us to read it again. It's in Romans as we think about this discipleship-making process. Romans 10, verse 13. The font's small. Young people, again, we're relying on you to help us with this passage. Would you read with us? For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Or how beautiful are the feet of those who go to share God's word, or who go to show God's word, or who go to teach God's word. How beautiful are those who go to make disciples. And by the way, if you would feel called or led to go to Siberia to make disciples, we will find some big boots to cover those beautiful feet of yours. Uh, we need help. To, and, and, and actually, that's an area that we're responsible for. And, and uh, what are we doing in Siberia? Nothing. And uh, you think about 150 million people, and there's about 40 million people living in Siberia. There's a whole mission field waiting for us, waiting for us something to happen. And I went over to Siberia one time and met some incredible believers. That's my experience in Siberia. And we have areas in our, in our region that are untouched. There's un- unreached people groups in our group that are untouched. A lot of work to do, and uh, we, need, we do need the help. One word which characterizes um, our church's mission efforts to make Christ-like disciples in the nations is volunteerism. I want you everybody to say it with me. There you go. You know, we went as volunteers. Back then, you know, we had this program. We actually fell on it. If it weren't for Sandra Ardrey, we would have probably went with another mission organization to a mission field. We didn't know our church had a volunteer arm. But Sandy Ardrey, Dr. Sandy Ardrey, um, heard about what we were planning on doing and plugged us in. And next thing we knew, we were headed to Russia. But um, it's important um, in this day, these economic days, um, if, if one of these young people asked me, well, how can I become a missionary? I kind of feel led that way or I feel led that way. We would tell them that in order to be a missionary, you need to be a missionary. In other words, you've got to get to the field and get experience. And um, that's how it works. And I mentioned our, our church in Kazakhstan. Um, for the past roughly three years, um, our work um, has been supported by a young volunteer missionary, Amanda Lee. And uh, when our senior missionaries left about... Two years ago, two and a half years ago, um, things were left in the Nationals' hand together with Amanda Lee's uh, in her hands. And Amanda's her day. Amanda, come on up. Amanda went to Olivet Nazarene University. <clears throat> and um, I asked her the first service. I just confirmed that she'd rather be living in Indiana than Illinois where she's from, but, you know. You're rooting for the Hoosiers, right? Forget, yeah, okay, that's good. But you, um, you went to uh, Kazakhstan when? Um, first time. First time? Oh, I'm sorry, I need a microphone. What am I doing? <laughs> no. First time I went was in 2005. 2005. Yeah. We had missionaries, the Pox there. There were our missionaries there, really strong Korean missionaries that did a great job planning the work there. But they were kind of uprooted pretty quickly and had to leave, and you were there. Um, 
Um, I was there for like two and a half years after they left. Two and a half years after they left. Mm-hmm. And uh, really, the church has really relied on her for statistics. And there's a lot of administrative stuff, burden that the, the church puts on us. Don't tell Kansas City I said that, Rex. But just a lot of stuff that we have to do. It's hard. You have to use QuickBooks and different things. And um, only certain people can do parts of the things that we're required to do. A man has been doing that. And you kind of got thrown into some of that stuff. A lot of experience. Yeah, it's good experience. What did you enjoy? What did you not like as <laughs> a volunteer missionary? Like? Yeah. Hmm. Oh, well, I enjoyed a lot of things. I think the thing that I enjoyed the most was the opportunity to work with the national leaders uh-huh. as they were just, you know, beginning to take on those roles. It was really an exciting time and being able to watch God working in their lives and through them to work in their own churches. That was, that has to be my favorite part. And, uh, you're back here getting, you've got like one master's degree and trying to get another one or something like that. Why are yeah, you doing that? I have a, an addiction to education. Okay, yeah. She's sharp. <laughs> She's sharp. And uh, her plan, Amanda's plan, is to go back to Central Asia. And we're opening that door as she, after she gets her education finished up for her to, to return. And there's some exciting news that kind of goes along with that. I think we have a picture that explains part of that. What, what's going on there? Tell us. I have no idea. You don't know? Okay. <laughs> That's my fiancé. Vladislav Kim, and he is one of the national leaders in Kazakhstan. Credible young man, sharp, and Vlad is planning to marry me. Good. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> and he's also planning to come back here in about a year, a year in, in January. In about six months. Uh, yeah, he'll be here in about six months. Six months. And then he'll be starting um, NTS in about a year. Nazarene Theological Seminary, know those acronyms. Sorry. Okay. And Vlad's a sharp young man, and he plans on going through our typical three-year program in two and a half. He'll be able to do that. And they both have a real passion and burden for Central Asia. And we, I do want to ask you about the new law. Amanda just returned on Monday, so she's got her mornings and evenings. She was sleeping during my, my sermon. I saw No, no. <laughs> mornings and, and days mixed up. But anyway, she just got back on Monday. The new law, anything new to report there? Um, unfortunately, there's not a lot of new things to report. Uh, The only issue with that is that they keep going to the Ministry of Religion, the Government Ministry of Religion, asking what the ramifications of the law will be, what kind of requirements they'll have, and they haven't told them anything yet, and it seems like they may leave it off to the last minute, and it'll be really difficult for churches to be able to meet those requirements. And, And again, the Kazakhstan law, it has passed, and it's like pins and needles. You know, I was there about a month ago, and... They had a meeting, and, and I didn't have any input, but they, you could just sense it in our pastors. Well, what should we do? Well, what should we do? And we didn't have answers. We don't know what we should do. or what We just know that now, technically, we're illegal in most cases, and we haven't started these lists around yet. So pray for Kazakhstan. Pray for our incredible people. I mean, they love the Lord. They want to serve the Lord. They want to keep their, you know, their garages open for worship. Um, we just don't know what's going to happen. And pray for Amanda. This is going to be an interesting chapter of your life. It's going to go really quick, two and a half years. Um, her language skills are off the charts. And we need people like this to come, to go, to come, to go, and get involved in this discipleship-making process. So pray for Amanda Lee and Vlad Kim, um, missionaries to Central Asia. Thank you. Thanks, Amanda. <laughs> Another young couple comes to mind when I think about volunteers and missions. And just a few weeks ago, this young couple resigned their task and the comforts of home and many things to say yes to a mission call that will take them to the CIS field.
um, to help us make disciples. And they are launching out in faith. Um, and I think you know this couple. I think I've got a picture. There they are, um, Scott and Jenny Rainey. Um, does it make sense that they should go? Um, in, in some minds, no. I, I, I thought hopefully there's, there's family here. Hopefully they don't uh, blame me for their call. I had nothing to do with that call. Just was happened to be the right kind of the connecting person. But um, and our grandpa Wade did give me a, a throat lounge between services, so I know he's not real mad at me to be involved in that. But but we're excited. You know, we we're, our our uh, our field is in trouble. We've lost a lot of our missionary units. We're down to just a, a handful, and we birthed the, the mission field in the former Soviet Union. It's kind of like birthing a child that grows up to be a teenager. Well, our work there is about 19, 20 years old. It's like teenagers, and I probably don't need to say anything else. That's what we've got, and we still need help. And we're excited about Scott and Jenny, um, and they are going initially as volunteers. Again, if you want to get to the mission field, you've got to be a missionary or you've got to go as a volunteer. And so they're going to go. They, they, they technically are going without furniture, a car, and even food if we don't help them, support them. And they have roots in this church, and they're, they're, they will be here in a few weeks. And please get behind this young couple. Become a part of their discipleship-making process in these days of opportunity. You guys know Scott, and you know as you invest in his ministry, it's a, a great investment. We know what it meant to Grace Point here in uh, several you know in, in years past well jesus said go to make disciples when you go he said i will be with you he says he, he will be with us and that promise is even for short people he said lo i am with you always i'm with you always and while we focus on making disciples which is our task we need to keep that in mind our task is to make disciples God is faithful to build his church. Sometimes we get that all confused. He builds the church. We go up to make disciples. Carl Henry, he was the first editor of Christianity Today, and he put it this way. The gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. If it gets there in time. There is a lot of good news in this discipleship-making process. It's a very fulfilling thing. It's a miracle. It's a miracle before your eyes type of thing. Um, and we need help in a lot of different ways. And my challenge is for you to plug in somewhere. You know, the process is as relevant here as it is over there. And we've got all this media that's grabbing our attention and teaching us this and teaching us that. It has nothing to do with making disciples or being a better disciple. And I just trust that you'll come to terms with what it means in your life, and you'll be able to answer that question, who are you discipling and who is discipling you? Thank you for your prayer support. I'm going to turn it over to Rex. Uh, We leave in about two weeks for another jaunt. We do go back and forth a little bit, but Lord is good.